Hey, this is French Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And I'm here in downtown Toronto with Allison Dorr, comedian and Sirius XM on-air personality of a couple of programs. Uh, she's the co-host of the Warden Al Show, which runs Monday through Friday from 1 to 4 Eastern on Sirius XM Channel 167. And she also has her own show called Allison Dorr's Broadcast, which is Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on Sirius XM Channel 168. And on top of that, she's got her own podcast called Digging In with Allison Dorr. So in case you haven't noticed, the girl likes to talk. I cannot shut up. <laughs> so did I Did I get everything there? Is there anything else that you're doing? Yeah, no, right now that is uh, the, the big three Okay. Uh, that take up pretty much all of my life. Okay. And... Uh, that's a lot. I love it. Yeah. That's the thing. Now, how often do you do podcasts? Is it a weekly thing? Weekly. Mondays, yeah. new episodes go up. And it's, I've, I think I started doing it September 2015. Right. No, 16. Sorry. Okay. What year is it? Um, <laughs> and <clears throat> I think I've missed two Mondays in okay. the interim. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know, one was around Christmas and one I went to Australia when the new show came up, which is broadcast on mm. Canada Laughs, yeah. life got crazy. Because okay. it just debuted in May of this year. Right. And so things got a bit crazy, but I really wanted to maintain that consistency, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I just work a lot. Yeah. No, that's, I think it's fantastic. So, so your podcast, now I've been on your show, we'll talk about that in a minute, but your podcast, what's your podcast about? It's really about life mm -hmm. and how we all look at the world differently, it's kind of started to veer into a very um, thought process, positive thinking, following your dreams kind of podcast, okay. just based on the, the people I've been talking to and also my own personal interests. I've really been trying to move into that realm of being positive and putting good out. And I think the more you support other people, the better life starts to work for yourself. And yeah. so it's kind of gone into that direction, but also there's a few things that I ask people or that I try to figure out um, because I think it's really interesting that we all sort of say we want the same things, mm -hmm. but we all have different definitions of what those things are. Absolutely. So like success, we're all like, yeah, of course I want to be successful. I'll, but that the picture of what that looks like is so different for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it's just about people cool. and who they are. And, and I, I also love getting into stories of overcoming, like, bad things that happened in your life, but that ended up teaching you a lot and making you a stronger, better person, you know? Yeah. Wow. Philosophical kind no, of. This, I think that's great. And it's yeah. just, a, it's just an easy discussion, right? Yeah. And it's, it's been really great and people have been super honest and been willing to share a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I love that. Cause I think that's, that's the stuff that brings people together and heals the world, right? Is when we share our stories and someone else goes, Oh my God, I felt that way too. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's relation and connectivity. Yeah. And you know, things like that obviously are not easy to do. You know, yeah. you have that in common with this show actually, because people, you know, are asked to talk about the music that kind of, you know, has an emotional um, grip on them. Right. And, and, and Oh man, it was so hard for me not to make my <laughs> list all super downers. Oh really? Oh yeah. Because I have so many emotionally, I you know, my biggest emotion has always been like sadness and stuff. Yes. And so I easily could have just made this whole list 
just downer songs. I could have yeah. just put Jan Arden's first album, Time for Mercy, and yeah. been like, let's just go. Because that whole album is a huge downer. You can't listen to it unless you're literally in the midst of a depression. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I could have put that and been like, let me tell you a story for each song on this album. <laughs> But I have to remember, too, that it's like, yeah, obviously I have an emotional reaction to happy songs, too. Let's not get all caught up in the drama. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I'm the same. And I was was saying earlier, um, you know, we were talking about the fact that somebody actually interviewed me for the show. And I thought the same thing because when I was a kid, I was really drawn to sad songs you know, mm. because I felt like there was a real kind of emotive connection. I almost felt like I could kind of, um, you know, ease that sadness by being inside those songs. Yeah. You know, so it would have been easy for me just to like, you know, do a complete list of the saddest songs that. For know, sure. So, but, but you, ha- you have to remember that there are other songs that, that make you feel, you know, different ways. There are certain songs that come on and I immediately feel totally joyful. And I wanted to make sure I got some of those. I'll tell you what song I struggled with um, because it's almost been like every member of my family sort of has an attachment to this song, but we also sort of debate what's happening in it. Um, But I ended up, it didn't make my final cut, but that's He Stopped Loving Her Today by George Jones. (laughs) Yeah. And country classic. And yeah, yeah. And a super downer. Yes. A super downer of a song, yeah. but it, at the end of the day, I was like, mm, it's not that representative in my life. It's really sort of just, it's like a family thing. Yeah. Um, so it didn't end up making it, but it's one of those songs. We, we debate all the time. My dad thinks that the guy in the song died of natural causes, and my brother and I both think he killed himself. And so it's like this debate of what do the lyrics mean and what did he... Uh, and so it's more an intellectual connection, I guess, after the song than an emotional one. Guys, Although it's sad. Are you guys having drinks when you're having this conversation? No, we don't really drink as a family. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll we're not... add a new dimension to the chat, I would imagine. We're not cool like that. <laughs> <laughs> Other people are like, oh, I got drunk with my dad last night. We had the best talk. I'm like, ooh, that's never going to happen in our house. So... All right, should we get into your tunes? Yeah. Okay, great. So I've got your list here. You have got 10 songs, and your first one is Family Tradition by Hank Williams Jr. Yeah, this is where he won the Country Outlaw lottery on this one. Because yeah, it was yeah. like, it was, do I put him? Do I, do I put a Waylon Jennings? Um, because I think when I was young, my dad was still really into old school country yeah and so we listened to a lot of that and family tradition was always this song that i don't know what it was that i connected with about it okay um i thought it was really interesting because i'm you know when i'm six years old yeah listening to hank william jr talk about how you know, drinking and smoking and doing drugs is a family tradition for him. <laughs> Why am I connecting with that as a little kid? Yeah. I don't know. And interestingly, um, there were a lot of themes in Outlaw Country. I don't know why they appealed to me so much as a kid. Mm-hmm. I like to blame those guys for my relationship issues and bad taste in men now. Because it's all about like, listen, a cowboy is uh, going to be a piece of crap. And, uh, you know, a good-hearted woman is going to just stand by him and put up with his shit. <laughs> and I mean, why not said so? Yeah. Somehow I grew up and went, guys are supposed to be shitty. Uh, <laughs> cowboys ain't easy to love, okay? And they're harder to hold. 
But for some reason, this song, I remember as a kid asking my dad to make me a cassette tape. Yeah. Because we still had a record player uh, with a cassette deck. And this was, you know, Walkman time. And I had gotten a Walkman and I wanted to listen to, I only wanted to listen to, um, out of all his collection, Family Tradition by Hank Williams Jr. and Mountain Music by Alabama. Wow. So I wanted those on a tape that I could listen to on my way to school. Okay. And my dad, weirdly, for a brief period of time, read the news on CFRA in Ottawa and was a radio voice. So when I first listened to the tape, this announcer comes on Mm -hmm. with a southern accent and is like, you know, this song is going out to Nauzila. And she requested this. And it, it actually took me a couple of listens to realize it was my dad. No. And because Nazil is my name backwards. Oh, cool. And which is also a thing we do in our family. And he had made this little radio announcer doing intros for these songs as requested for me. And then put mountain music and family tradition. Yeah. And it's one of those things when people ask me, because my brother and I are both creatives, you know, are our parents funny? Are our parents creative? And in a way, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. My dad was a teacher. My mom was a nurse. Yeah. But these little flashes of ridiculousness come up. It's one of those things that now I went back to. There was a big chunk of my life where I didn't listen to that old school country. And right. then I ended up going back to it as an adult and and loving it all over again. Yeah. And so for me, it's all those guys and all those songs really encompass my childhood in a way Mm -hmm. and this idea of when as a family we would listen to music because if we were in the car and we had to do a lot of long car rides because my mom's mom was sick when i was young okay and we lived in ottawa they lived in orillia Mm -hmm. and so often on friday after school um, my dad and my brother and I would all get home and then we would pack up the car, we'd go and pick up my mom, we'd drive to Aurelia okay. about five hours. Yeah. And then we'd drive back on the Sundays. So after dark, all you could do was just sit there and stare and mm-hmm. listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, Waylon and Willie and the boys and Hank Williams Jr. being a degenerate. And then, you know, my dad making me this mixtape where he dedicated all the songs to me. That's really cool. It is really cool. I hadn't thought about that in a while. You know, I forget yeah. about that tape sometimes. Yeah. Do you still I, have that tape? Do you know, I recently found in my parents' basement, my brother and I both had those. They look like briefcases. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The that cassette. had cassette tapes yeah. in them. And so they're in my parents' basement. I didn't have a really good look through them. So I, I might still have it. Yeah. That's it's quite cool. possible. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Your next song is uh, a Beastie's classic. She's crafty. Yes. I'm licensed to ill. I, in grade four, for Christmas that year, my Mm -hmm. brother gave me Beastie Boys License to Ill. Nice. And I think that was the year he also gave me U2 Rattle and Hum. It might have been the next year. Yeah. And U2 and I never really got together. Uh, You know, I appreciate a bunch of their songs, but I've never been... That's the only album of theirs I've ever owned. Rattle and Hum. Yeah. Yeah. And... But it started a... Uh, a, a lifelong relationship with the Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. It was also, I was at that age where my brother, even though I hated him, was the coolest person ever. Right. So whatever he listened to, I listened to. Yeah. Um, and I knew that some people freaked out 
when that album first came out in terms of like, you know, if you listen to girls, it's not that flattering <laughs> necessarily and stuff. But I, it's, it's weird. I feel like I always knew, even from the time I was in grade four, that they were having fun. Yes. And again, why do I love She's Crafty? It's a song about a terrible lady. Yeah. Uh, but I've always loved that song and I've always loved this idea of, first of all, she's totally awful, Yes. but they can't get enough of her. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's crafty and she's just my type, yes. right? And so it's this idea of, it sort of doesn't matter that she's awful. They're still like, but she's great. They actually like her because she's awful. Yeah, and yeah. so it's weird. Even now, sometimes I listen to that song for a self-esteem pep up, even though I'm never going to go to someone's house and sleep with them and then steal all their stuff. <laughs> like, that that's a horrible thing to do. You're a terrible person. Don't do that. But still, when I listen to it, I get a strut in my step, and I'm like, yeah, yeah she's crafty. She gets around. <laughs> There's something... It's so weird. I think if you told anyone... I feel like that's a female empowerment song. They'd be like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> and yet I do. Yeah. I feel like in that, like they're kind of in awe of her a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? The people around town trash talk her, but is that, is that cause she's free? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it, you know what? I know that whole album inside and out because I've listened to it for my entire life. Yeah, me too. And there's a lot of songs on it that I really love, but there's something about she's crafty. Also, I really like crafting, so I feel like it has multiple <laughs> le like levels for me. Um, there's something about that song where I go, yeah, I want to have a little bit more of the spirit of Lucy in, you know, in the way I lead my life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just makes me happy, that song. Yeah. And also, I like it, you know, so rarely, I think, it's frustrating for women. So rarely, in especially in any kind of, like, rap or in songs by men do the women win mm -hmm. and in that song i feel like she clearly wins right because they're not they still like her at the end mm -hmm. yeah i think they like her because she's yes crafty, they like right? her because she's crafty see the, the the same dynamic behind that song is is in um have you heard are you a ryan adams fan no okay he's got a song called come pick me up Okay. And the lyric goes, you know, come pick me up, steal my records, screw all my friends. So it's like the same kind of thing, but he's right. attracted to this woman for that reason. Right. Right? Yeah. It's a completely different, you know, song in terms of, uh, you know, the mood and that sort of thing. For Ryan sure. It's kind of like a, I don't know if you know anything about him, but he's very... Or he's if, sad, you right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a yeah. bit of a melancholy fellow. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I think that's also what I liked about She's Crafty is that it's so upbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually right? happy. It's right? super happy. Yeah. And all my, I met this amazing chick and she took all my stuff. Awesome. I love her. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. And it's weird. I feel like, okay, I always say that grade four was the best year of my life. Okay. And people go, that's really sad. And I'm like, I know. But in grade four, it was, I think I felt my most confident. I was super popular. I had like three boyfriends that year. Yeah. Um, which of course then having a boyfriend consisted of we talked on the phone. Yeah. And so it was like I had this really confident, fun, happy year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Beastie Boys work of the soundtrack of that year. I can't believe you were listening to Beastie Boys in grade four. 
Yeah, it's weird. My parents were super strict about a lot of stuff. But when I think about a lot of music that I was listening to, my favorite, I had two favorite albums in grade five, yeah. and they were True Blue, Madonna, yeah. and Faith, George Michael. And I listen to the songs of George Michael, and even now I'm like, I am embarrassed to listen to this song. Yeah. It is very sexual. Like, wh- how was I listening to it? Or is it? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I want your sex. Father figure. Monkey. Um, like just all these songs that are overtly, and I'm like, I was nine. <laughs> that's yikes. Yikes. It's funny though because when you're that age, and I remember hearing those songs too when I was at that age, not you know just prepubescent, but you kind of I don't really remember. You know how I processed that. It wasn't dangerous. It was just yeah. like, okay, so that's for people who are older. Yeah. And I'll kind of figure it out when I get there. Yeah, I never, like, I remember being embarrassed listening to some of the songs because they were saying words that I knew were like adult things. Yeah. I didn't know what, I had no concept of what sex was. Yeah. Right? Um, I would just fast forward through I Want Your Sex. Yeah. Um, because I was like, mm, this feels weird. Um, <laughs> You know, and so, yeah, there was tons of songs that had those elements in them. And yeah, like when you think about it, Beastie Boys just, well, the whole creation of Beastie Boys, right? Sort of came out of trying to get white kids into rap. Exactly. And having it be sort of a safer, friendlier thing. And it sounds very happy. I don't think my parents ever listened to the lyrics. No. I don't think they knew that they were talking about their, you know, their manager doing Angel in the back of the bus. Like, it's, so it's really interesting to me. Musically, we were sort of allowed to listen to whatever we wanted to, which in retrospect, I actually think is great. Mm -hmm. It's sort of funny because they were somewhat strict parents in in so many ways. But yeah. Yeah. Grade four. Wow. Beastying it up. (laughs) B-boy for life. Yeah. All right, your next tune is Angry Young Man by Steve Earle. I'll tell you this. This was a tough one. Yeah. I was tempted to do this entire list. I know you're a huge out of Steve, Steve Earle. Yeah. yeah. I thought about it for a minute. And I'm like, what if I throw him a real curveball? <laughs> and I just straight up Steve Earle it. Uh, but then I was like, play the game door. Yeah. Uh, so Steve Earle is the musical love of my life. And for sure could, um, I, I could easily soundtrack my entire life with his music and it's interesting he also fell into the i was introduced to him in the car by my dad on on long car trips and then he fell into that gap of i didn't really listen to his music for a long time like as a teen and stuff Mm -hmm. and then as an adult there were certain songs that i would revisit but as an adult what i remembered was mostly songs off his first couple of albums brought because my dad also the tape we'd listen to in the car was a mixtape his sister made him Oh, okay, so it wasn't a Steve Earle record. It wasn't. Okay. No, it was most. It was a like a lot of Guitar Town. Yeah, and then a lot of. I'm trying to think what the name of his second album was, but uh, yeah, a lot of stuff off of that. Okay, and for me, picking a Steve Earle song is a real toss up between "The Rain Came Down" and "Angry Young Man." Okay, because I remember. "The Rain Came Down" was the first song of his that I super fell in love with because he's a he is a storyteller to the max oh yeah and i could picture every event in that story and the concept of making a stand is Mm -hmm. really big Mm -hmm. in that song um but i went with angry young man because if i look at my teen years i was so angry Mm -hmm. well i would say probably from um 15 to 25 Mm -hmm. I had two dominant emotions, and that was super sad and super angry. Okay. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people from that time wouldn't necessarily 
describe me that way, they would say I was kind of all uh, all over the map because I was. I was dealing with a lot of psychological issues. Mm-hmm. But um, so I was happy a bunch, or I seemed happy a bunch, but the emotions that really overtook me the most okay. were being super angry and super sad. Right. And in Angry Young Man, he talks about... He has to get away from the memories in the place where he is. Okay. He talks about how where he is living is a place to grow up and a place to grow old. Yeah. And that's how I feel about Ottawa. Okay. I feel like if you're a kid, it's a really nice, safe, young city. If you're wicked old, it's great. There's Mm -hmm. parks and stuff. It's nice. Not too big, not too small. Mm -hmm. But if you are a creative person in between those times, it's a nightmare. Really? It's, oh, it's the worst. Well, it was when I was there. But I was mad at Ottawa. And I remember, you know, I didn't have the best time in high school internally. Okay. I've since realized that the impression people had of me in high school was very different than the one I had of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think internally, I never really felt a full sense of belonging. I never really felt confident. Although because I always knew I wanted to be a performer, I was very confident about that. Yeah. And people saw me as confident because I had this like, oh no, I know what I'm doing in life. Mm -hmm. And so they thought that extended to everything in life, which it did not. Mm -hmm. And I was really angry and I felt like my family didn't love me, my family didn't understand me, and I had to get out of there. And I had to... Um, you know, be who I was going to be. And I think I felt very misunderstood. And Steve Earle, I mean, if you listen to a lot of his stuff, Mm -hmm. my brother always says, if you listen to Guitar Town beginning to end, at the end of it, all your stuff will be in your car and you'll be leaving town. Yeah. Because it's, that's who Steve Earle was. He was this angry kid who needed something bigger. And the memories that were there were holding him back. Mm -hmm. And so Angry Young Man kind of became an anthem to me. I also felt like for most of my life that I was super damaged. Okay. So he apologizes to his mother in the song. You know, he says, Mama, if you could see me right now, you'd be so sure you failed me somehow. Mm. And I feel, I think for a long time in my life, I felt like I had failed. So it's one of those songs that I would listen to because uh, Steve Earle got it in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, listen, his life is way crazier than mine ever was. Yeah. But I think... I felt like he would understand what my internal monologue was. Right. Um, whereas other people looked at me, and then if I tried to explain the internal monologue, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But Steve Earle was, you know. There's an identification piece there, for sure. Yeah. 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 And, and he, man, he's such an interesting guy, too, because he's this guy that, look, clearly believes in love, you know, been married seven times. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, been married seven times. Um married the same woman twice in there so he's only had six wives his last relationship that his youngest kid came out of uh, with Alison Moore they never got married mm-hmm. so he's a guy that clearly believes in love but is also clearly a loner mm-hmm. and that's also like I think you know what he was kind of an example and listen in many ways look he's been in jail he's a drug addict he's an alcoholic he's all these things mm-hmm. although I've also been to rehab and I've been so I identify in those ways but in other ways in terms of going against the grain He's been a real example for me in the sense that I feel like in a lot of ways I've always gone against the grain and nobody gets it. Mm -hmm. And then you listen to Steve Earle and you're like, oh, this guy, that's all he does. 
And so uh, he believes in love, but he's also a real loner. And you know, my ideal scenario is that I meet a guy and he's the best guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, let's be together forever and live next door to each other. Yeah. Cause I'm super like, okay, but I need alone time. Mm -hmm. We can't live in the same house. Uh, you know, stuff like that. And I feel like, oh, I bet Steve Earle will get that. I think he you know? Yeah. yeah. Cause definitely. he loves falling in love. And then he's like, I also have to go now. So <laughs> bye. And then a lot of people go, we're breaking up. It, it's one of those songs that uh, I felt like I got him and he got me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a powerful thing. You know, I know I love him. I know mm -hmm. his songs have meant a lot to me. I know. But it's interesting. Now I'm starting to think about sort of the influence and the the comfort I got from them that I didn't really know I got. Yeah. Because I haven't really thought about it that intellectually. I've only really thought about it super emotionally. Mm -hmm. A couple of albums ago, he has this song called Lonely Are the Free. Okay. Listen, he doesn't write a lot of super happy songs. They happen. <laughs> I Feel All Right is a great happy song. But um, he doesn't write a ton of them. And Lonely Are the Free is one of those songs where, again, as an adult, I feel like we get each other, mm -hmm. you know? I feel like I'm super free and I love it and it's the best and I've never wanted to be married or have kids and when I think about those things, they feel it, like it's a prison. But yeah, then sometimes you go, oh, I'm by myself. I'm sad right now, <laughs> you know? And yeah. then the next day I don't care again. But yeah. it's like, it's so interesting, these themes that come up in his songs of, go when you go against the grain, sometimes you go, oh, I'm totally by myself out here. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever... Um you know, in your experience, met him or been... I have not met him. Okay. Interestingly enough, he's the one person I don't want to meet. Really? And it's interesting. I've uh, Listen, I'm not the best at meeting people I super love. Mm -hmm. I tend to fangirl. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, if they're in studio at work, yep. I can usually keep a lid on it. Yeah. But I think with him... He's famously a bit curmudgeonly, mm -hmm. and I'm so afraid because he meets he means so much to me, right? Yeah. And so when I saw him last year, and I bought a bunch of merch, like every time I go to see him, I'm like, I'll just, I'll take twelve things. Yeah. And you can line up afterwards after the show, and he'll come out and sign your oh, stuff. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's super cool. It's yeah. amazing. So my friend and I were leaving, and she's like, "Oh, the line's not that long. Like you'd probably only have to wait like half an hour, forty five minutes. We should get in line." And I was like, "Oh no, 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 no." And she's like, what do you mean? You have, I'm carrying two vinyl albums. I do not have a record player. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, a shirt for me, a shirt for my brother, a shirt. And uh, she's like, but you have all this stuff. I go, mm -hmm. and she's like, I don't understand what's happening. I'm like, no, 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 I can't. I especially don't want to meet him in a 30 second. Yeah. There's a lineup of people. Can you sign my thing? I go, that to me isn't rewarding. Yeah. You know, if, if it turned out Steve and I had mutual friends, and they were like, oh, I'm going for a drink with Steve. Like, you should come hang. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure, maybe. But yeah, I can't wait in line, you know? I would probably do that for the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> but I'm not doing it. Actually, Nick Carter's been on my show. Um, no, I would still wait in line for them, actually. But yeah, with Steve Earle, no, he's too important. Totally got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so your next song uh, reminds me of my... Uh, high school career because we you know I, I grew up in a small town and, and three records played at every party that I went to from like grade 10 to grade 13 this was on one of them so they were uh, White Snake mm, nice yeah ACDC uh, yeah. Who Made Who uh, actually four sorry The Cult Electric if you remember sure. that one 
And this one, the Steve Miller Band's Greatest Hits, and your tune is The Joker. See, yeah, it's interesting. Steve Miller, and it's Greatest Hits, 74 to 78. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like every generation of teenager finds that album and is like, yeah, man, I get it. Yes. So this is, so I didn't love, I don't have a lot of fond memories of high school, I think, because of, again, inner turmoil. Yeah. But The Joker makes me think of this, this time in my life where I had a pretty specific group of friends yeah. and we would all hang out in this guy Ryan's basement and yeah. I don't remember who first brought the tape and put it on yeah. and we all liked the Joker the most probably because he gets high in it and we're yeah. like that's so cool um, but so I had this specific group of friends that I hung out with on the weekends and this boy that I loved through all of high school mm -hmm. um, was in that group and we would all sit around in the basement and joke around and whatever. It's very like that 70s show almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so whenever I hear that song, it's that feeling of like, remember that time when I belonged and I liked that boy and he was there and possibility yeah. was there. And like I never ended up, nothing ever happened with that boy. But you know, in high, like in high school, there's that time when it's like, when you have a crush on someone and just seeing them in the hall is so great. Oh, and then, yeah. oh my God, I, like we hang out in the same group of friends on the weekend. Yeah. And I get to just sit in that room with him and look at him. Yeah. While we listen to Steve Miller Band. Yeah. And it always makes me happy. I completely you know? dialed into that. Yeah. And I was the same when I grew up. But that was the most exciting thing in your life. When you knew you were going to see that person, you, it did, you didn't have to talk to them or nope. interact with them. As long as you could be in the same space, right? Yeah. Be around them. Yeah. No, yeah. It was just that, yeah, nothing ever happened. Yeah. And nothing but just being in the same vicinity as him was so exciting. Yeah, exactly. You know? And and there was like, I mean, obviously I had crushes on other people during high school, but he was that guy for me that I would always come back to yeah. and be like, mm, I'm back to having a crush on him. Yeah. You know? Uh, and that song was just always representative of this time. There was a group of probably, probably like seven or eight of us, you know, and my friend Stephanie, who um, was my closest friend in high school. My best friend switched schools when mm -hmm. we were in grade 10. And so Stephanie was like the person I spent all my time with. And, uh, you know, we had this neat little club, yeah. kind of. It's a good memory from high school. Yeah. And it's so great how you can use music as a, as a, a representative totem of those times, right? Yeah. And it takes you right back there. Yeah. All right, how about this one? The Best of My Love by The Emotions. So, you know, being super depressed and sad, um, always fun. And after high school, or like around my last year of high school, and then university, uh, the brief time I went there and post. So I had a nervous breakdown when I was about 23. Okay. And so those years were, again, like that's what's starting to get into the really kind of sad, sad phase. Mm -hmm. And Boogie Nights came out in 97. And Best of My Love's on the soundtrack. And it is one of those songs that when it comes on, you can't feel bad mm -hmm. when that song comes on. And every time that song came on, it's like, I just, I'm like, well, I have to stand up and dance now. Yeah. And so it became part of my like self-care regimen. And there was times when I was too sad to listen to it. Yeah. But there was times where it's just like, you know, I'm just, I'm a little bit down or whatever. And I could put on that song and dance around my room and be like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to be okay. 
it's one of those songs that yeah as soon as it starts it's like I get a smile on my face and I go oh my god I love this song isn't that awesome yeah listen I'm not a great dancer <laughs> but I love it okay you know when I'm in the mood come on forget it and so I will uh, whenever this song comes on I'm like well just shake it a little bit yeah so we're gonna go the other direction now <laughs> Because you've got a song that, uh, this is a song for me, you know, when I looked at your list, it really kind of jumped out at me because I I have a a personal attachment to it. When I was in high school, I I had this huge crush on this girl. And she had a huge crush on somebody else who was a lot older. Mm. And so this was her song that, you know, she would kind of write on her notebook, write lyrics from the song and like little hearts and write his name under it. So every time I heard the song, it was just like a dagger, right? The song is called Try by Blue Rodeo. I think this song is interesting because to me, this song is so representative of, yeah, of of, uh, heartbreak, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I felt like he feels in the song. I I felt like men I've dated have never been the same way twice. Mm -hmm. And that I never know what I'm getting into. And there's no consistency. But I've always also sort of, again, because uh, country outlaws messed me up, I've sort of <laughs> liked that, right? And it's this very... It's a sweet pain thing. I used to, yeah, oh God. I used to be one of those people that was into sort of the tragedy of star-crossed lovers, right? Whereas mm-hmm. now I'm like, you know, who can fuck off Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. Uh, just garbage people. Yeah. Um, but there's a time when that seems very, like... Romanticized. Yeah, and oh, I love him, but he treats me like garbage, but it's Sunday. When, so when I was 23, just before I really sunk into a depression, um, I was dating this horrible man who was 35. And, uh, you know, of course, at the time, you don't really realize how horrible it is. Mm -hmm. But he did, there was like two nice things that he ever did for me. Um, But we went to see Blue Rodeo at Blues Fest in Ottawa. And um, he would not, you know, he's not a displays of affection kind of guy. But the try came on, and I loved that song so much. And it was, and listen, it fit our relationship. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and so he sort of like danced with me to the song. Okay. And it was one of those things where, look, I totally hate that guy now. <laughs> and he is a terrible person. Yeah. But I had a moment with a guy I liked to that song as a soundtrack, which was sort of something I'd pictured in my life, right? Mm-hmm. It was sort of my movie moment with that song, yes. and he gave that to me. Yeah. Or he participated in it, I should say, because I, I really can't give this guy any credit. He is such a dumpster fire. But um, <laughs> the whole album, Five Days in July, is like the perfect summertime, chill-out album, have some drinks with your friends, and just yeah. have an awesome time. And I really, it's, I, they're another one I struggled with, right? Because a lot of their more upbeat songs also mm-hmm. really speak to me, but they're also just so good at downers. Yes, they are, for sure. Right? There's no question. And so it, it was another one of those, which ones do I do? And then I was like, Ugh, I'll just, you know what? Emotionally speaking, Try is the one that's had the most impact in yeah. a way. Yeah. So I had to go with it. I'm like, oh, I have to talk about the dumpster fire. <laughs> Just the worst person. All right. So we're going to change gears again. Yeah, I'm all over the map, man. You went, no, but I like that. See, there's a yeah. lot of variety here. And I, I, I do like that. I like that a lot. 
Um, I don't know this. Well, maybe I do. Stronger by Britney Spears. Yeah. So some of the struggles I had with this list was I had to get over wanting to seem cool. Mm -hmm. I also had to get over... Because I kept looking at going, is it diverse enough? Is it this enough? Is it that enough? And just going like, look, it just has to be... I have to think about this. the songs that really played a part. It's important. And pop for me is a big thing. And that era of... I still, by the way, I still love the Backstreet Boys. Mm -hmm. And they're still putting out albums, by the way. And so if you guys haven't checked out their albums lately, you should because they're amazing. Um, (laughs) You know, I have an attachment to Britney Spears that is just really strong. And I get it. Like, a lot of people make fun of her and I totally understand why. And I get that. But I love her. Mm -hmm. And also she, you know... It's interesting. I had started getting better when she went through her meltdown. Mm -hmm. And when she shaved her head, I immediately went, I know exactly what is happening here. Mm -hmm. And people were going like, oh, she's crazy. She's this. And I'm like, she's crying out for help. And we're like, get on stage and sing. Um, And it was so horrifying. But her song Stronger, which is off her second album, is super empowering. And it's, I'm stronger than yesterday. Now it's nothing but my way. When I started getting better, this is one of those songs that was like a helpful transformation song for me. It was a helpful, like, yeah, you know what? I am stronger now than I was before, and I am getting better, and I am okay, and I am a badass in the world. And uh, and it's a great song. Like, you listen to it, and it's not a lyrically complicated song, but it's also, you know, a lot of pop, and I have made fun of the Backstreet Boys for this, especially in their early music, is very, like, grammatically incorrect. Okay. And stuff like that. And this song is not like that. And it's not about... She does tend to write a lot of songs about boys and stuff, and it's not about that. And it's it's just kind of a female empowerment Mm -hmm. anthem. Mm -hmm. And I still love it. I still watch the video sometimes. I go, oh, man, Britney. You know? And I always want to... I'm like, oh man, I wish I could just sit down with Britney Spears and be like, boo, you're going to be okay. I feel like she's never gotten the support she needs or deserves. I kind of feel like she would be open to that in some way. I, really I listen, I, I hope I have the opportunity someday. She did not have, she never got what she needed, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And this is an outsider's perspective, but the perspective of someone who also had a breakdown, you know, like she was gone for one year. And when they announced that she was going to be opening the MTV and Movie Awards, I was like, no, no, too soon. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, she was sluggish. She was overweight. She was, and I was like, can everyone cut her some fucking slack? Yeah, yeah. So I, I have a real soft spot for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think she's fun. She's super she, I, fun. Yeah. Musically speaking, she's super fun. Yeah. I think she's got a great attitude. I don't know if you've seen her on James Corden. Oh, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever watch that show. Yeah, I should watch she's, it. Yeah, she's just, she's got the right attitude. I mean, you can. T- she's been through a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. But it was just nice to see her come out the other end, and now she's fine. Yeah. You know, the thing that I don't like about people like you know her, her situation is that the public loves to build people up and kind of tear, tear them, down. them down, right? And yeah. you really could see that unfolding. But the good news is. She's in a better place, and she's doing so much better. So yeah, yeah. I like her. Uh, next tune is "So Good" by Destiny's Child. Tell okay. me about that. Well, this song is a bit about rubbing it in your face. Okay. 
Um, I had a, a situation with two girls that I was very close with mm-hmm. in my early 20s where it was very complicated. I don't want to get into the whole story because it will take forever. Okay. Um, they ended our friendship and sort of made it all my fault. Okay. And I accepted that in the beginning and like begged them to be friends again. And then it turned out they had lied to me about a bunch of things and there was blah, mm. blah, blah, whatever. Um, so when I first heard, heard So Good, and part of their issue with me had been that I was too emotional okay. to be their friends because I'm still sorting out. Like, so I was diagnosed when I was 20 with clinical depression okay. and then at 25 with like an additional mood disorder. And it wasn't until a, a couple years later, like around 27, was things really started solidi- to solidify for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm a normal person in the world. Yeah. Um, so in my early twenties, it was still very rocky. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they, I was too emotionally demanding as a friend, they said. And then once I found out, yeah, they're fun. Um, they're really nice people. So once, um, once I found out that all the things that they had been doing behind my back Uh and stuff like that, and once I started getting better, they um, sort of, it's like when I first started listening to Destiny's Child and this song, because this song is about people who quit Destiny's Child. So this is when Destiny's Child ended up being the three. Okay. But I guess someone had left the group and been like, you guys are going to fail. Yeah. It's going to be the worst. And the whole song is like, oh, you thought we would die without you, mm-hmm. but we're doing so good. Mm-hmm. And so I really felt like it was, this was my fuck you to these girls, right? That's great. And so I would listen to it and be like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm going to be fine without you. And they did try to break me. When they, when they, and they were so dramatic about it. And when they, like, I got a letter in the mail. Really? Being, yeah, (laughs) we're done here. And they wouldn't answer my phone calls and whatever. Anyway, they tried to break me. And then it, I just, it didn't work. It's like mean you know? girls. It's terrible. Oh, man. You know what? I'll tell you this. Chicks can be devious. Yeah. And they can be awful. But part of that, to be fair, is that we are still very subtly socialized as girls mm-hmm. to be in competition for male attention. Mm. And uh, there was a man involved. Let's call him a man child. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, there was a lot of elements that went into it. Mm-hmm. And jealousy played a big part. And, and, you know, and listen, I wasn't a great friend necessarily. Cause yeah, I, you know what? They're right. In a way I was fucked up, mm-hmm. but I tried my best. And, and the thing is I tried to mend the situation after getting the letter. Um, and then I realized, you know what? Like I wasn't that bad a friend Yeah. and you guys were garbage friends also. And so it's one of those things. Um, it scarred me for a long time. Now I don't care. Now it's sort of funny because it's so dramatic and it's so mean girls. <laughs> It's so Regina George, like, um, but it was, I mean, it had a big impact on my life. Mm -hmm. And at the time it was so devastating. Yeah. So then, yeah, to have this song to be like, don't worry about it. Mm. I'm doing so good. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not big on revenge necessarily, but I do like the idea of like, oh no, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm fine. Living well is the best revenge. Yes. Okay. Last tune. It is one I am not familiar with. It seems very interesting. I kind of had a look at it. It's uh, by Lennon Stella and Maisie Stella. Yeah. And it's called Joy Parade. Joy Parade from the Nashville soundtrack. Okay. And this song is encompasses my philosophy of life right now. Okay. 
so I'm not sure who wrote it. You know, a lot of the songs on that show are written by amazing Nashville songwriters. Right. Um, but they do perform it on the show and it is on the soundtrack. And it's all about, you know what? They're going to stand up and do what's right in life. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of, they're going to be flexible and they're going to go with the flow and they'll bend, but they won't break. And they're not going to let life beat them down mm-hmm. because they, it's, I bought a ticket to the joy parade and I ain't getting off this happy train. Nice. And so it's kind of about, I mean, it's in a way, it's about positive thinking and doing your best mm-hmm. and doing what's right. So at the end of your life, you don't look back and go, oh, I should have been better. Right. And, and it's this sweet little, you know, it's um, just acoustic guitar and them singing. But every time it comes on, I, I get a big smile on my face and I sing it. I usually end up listening to it twice in a row. Awesome. Because it just... It's just a really nice song, but it everything about it, lyrically, it's perfect. It's one of those, everything you're saying speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And it is how I want to live my life. Yeah. There's a line in it that says, in the end, I won't have it all, but I'll stand tall. And that's getting to a place where you realize that when I was... When I was a teenager, so I always knew I was going to be a performer, but I thought I was going to be an actor. Okay. And I was positive I was going to be an A-list actor in Hollywood, like Academy Award nominated by 30, right? And because I was still in the place, too, that being famous and being in tabloids and being, um, you know, having all these people that would help make me beautiful and doing all these things, like that was success to me. That was the idea of I will be happy when... Mm -hmm. Um, Because I still had that idea that it's these things that will make you happy. Yes. And now I'm so the opposite of that. It's really interesting. And I think it's, yeah, you you have to go with the flow. And sometimes you think you know where your road is headed. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in a different place. And realizing that how much money I make and what kind of car I drive, which is no car because I can't afford one. um, And how much stuff I have and people liking me, like none of that matters. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. People liking me matters in the sense of, but in the sense of the people I'm close with and I I, want to be good to people I want to, but you know, we all know there's that no one likes everyone. And I'm also in a place now where it's like, if someone doesn't like me, I'm like, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's my full circle song in the sense that I'm like, Oh, this this is everything I believe right now. That's a great way to, to end all the songs you've talked about here. It's a great wrap up, right? That's yeah. That's kind of what I wanted to, I knew it was going to be on my list, but I knew it was, it had to be the last one. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a perfect wrap up. I, I feel like you've kind of told me a story about yourself through all of these songs, you know, going up and Yay. down. And, no, really, I, you did a fantastic job. I really, I want to thank you for being so honest. First of all, these are deeply personal things that you've talked to me about, and I appreciate that. I Well, I'm more than happy to do it, and I really feel like, you know, I have had a hard time in life, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally speaking, and I think that because I am who I am now, and I'm a very strong person, mm-hmm. the onus is on me to talk about these things, mm-hmm. because I think there's a lot of people out there that can't, and that think that they're... You know, that they think that the way they think about themselves, they're, that they're the only person that thinks that way. Mm-hmm. Or they're in a situation that they feel awful right now and they don't know that other people are out there and they're not able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so my thing is, is I've done all the work and I've come to terms with all the things that I've done 
or that have happened to me that were ever in any way shameful or embarrassing or people wouldn't understand. I've done all the work to be cool with those things Mm -hmm. and therefore I will talk about them all the time for all the people who aren't cool with it yet and who can't talk about it. I have a huge amount of respect for that. I think it's fantastic and I admire you for it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Well done. This has been great. Thanks for coming by. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Sorry, I talk a lot. Hey, you came to the right place. That's what this is for, right? All right, this has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Miss Allison Dore. Till next time, take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon worldwide. <laughs>